sloppy with the puck, slow on our skates and slow on our forecheck and just kind of just a little bit, a couple inches off here and there. And, um, and you know, give them credit, they, they battled hard and they won all the puck battles, especially early. And, and uh, you know, they played a little freer once they were up, obviously. And um, that's their style and that's their game that we don't want to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, that happened. Yep. Nope. Yep. 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 Listen, I said it was going to be in six games, didn't I? I said that Carolina was going to have a shutdown defensive game. They had two. I said New Jersey was going to have at least one blowout. Probably just this one. And here it is. Game one in New York. Game three. Cutting Carolina's series lead in half. I mean, if there was going to be a blowout, I guess this is how I wanted it. But let's get into it. Roll the thing. 9,393 days of frustration. And on the 9394th day of NHL existence, the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. With historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes, this is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. Yeah, so we'll just jump straight into this one, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, there's not going to be a lot of game highlights in this one, uh, just because Carolina did play poorly, right? Like, if objectively, not complaining about commentators or officiating or anything like that, Carolina did play an off game. We'll hear from Rod later, but like Carolina played a bad game, especially in the first period. They didn't play the shutdown, they didn't play like the shutdown, excuse me, team that they are, that they're supposed to be. It just wasn't there tonight. The ones and twos didn't equal three, they were equaling like negative five. It was a cluster. And that, I mean, the Timo Mayo girl early on was kind of whatever, it was just a good play by Hughes to get it to Meyer. Then Anderson wasn't there, it was a developing play, probably should have had his pad down on the ice, you know. But I understand it happening. We go on, and then the second goal by Hughes is just demoralizing. Going to be 100% honest with you. Um, Nason had it on a stick. What are you going to do? Third goal. Yeah, that shorthanded goal. Freddie probably should have stopped it. Uh, going to the first intermission. Just yikes on bikesing it. Uh, yeah, there was some missed calls in the force that could have gone Carolina's way. They didn't. They missed calls. We move on. Carolina is down by three, going into the forced intermission. Shortly into the second period, I mean shortly into the second period, he sure makes it 4 nothing. Couple minutes after that, Ajo makes it 4-1. Yay, Sebastian Ajo. And... I'm not going to go through all this, guys. Listen, the, the Hurricanes lost 8-4 to inside of the Prudential Center, mainly because of their own poor play. But as things started to ramp back up towards the end of the game, maybe Carolina's going to make a push. 
I mean, three shorthanded goals, that's really impressive, and we'll get to a funny stat about that in a minute. And uh, ultimately, uh, a stupid penalty here, a just terrible call there, leads to that momentum being squandered. Uh, it happens. Listen, it happens. Uh, we're not going to focus too much on it. I think this is 100% one of those games where you get your burn bucket, you go ahead and fill it up with all the letters from the X's and the food that your wife wants you to eat that you don't really want and all those tax documents you're supposed to be saving for them in the year. No one saves those. You throw that in a burn bucket. Take the tape of this game, throw it in there too, pour some kerosene on top, quick match, gone. Over. Never talk about it again. Uh, it's just... I have not seen a game like that in a very long time time and uh, just quick instant post-game thing is that a lot of the national media is that Carolina got absolutely outplayed the entire game there was all devils the entire game and that was true the fourth period and I would even say it was true for most of the second period but once you got to the third actually I want you got near like the halfway point where, where, where it was clear Jersey was going to win either way. But once you got to the halfway point, Carolina knew they were going to lose. So they didn't care anymore. They threw caution into the wind, which is not something you want to do in playoff hockey. But that's a lot of the reason those late goals by New Jersey went in because Carolina was like, screw it. We're just going to make this competitive. We're just going to keep grinding and we're never going to give up, which is exactly what you want. Right? That's every time I tweeted, well, this isn't going to go Carolina's way, I added, but keep it competitive. Don't make it easy on New Jersey. The Devils cannot come out of this game like, oh my god, we can just hang eight around their neck, and it's no problem at all. And the Hurricanes didn't let them do that. And if it wasn't for the multiple five on three penalties, including one against Jacob Slavin, who is a Lady Bing winner, for, like, uh, whatever. Not even going to get there. Not even going to go there. If it wasn't for those two penalties, who knows what could have happened. But those penalties were called. It's not like Carolina was playing well anyways, so it's not the official's fault that they lost this game. But the officiating was downright awful. We got to see a not-real fight between Stefan Nason. Oh, I'm sorry. Not between Stefan Nason. That one was a real fight. Between Hughes and Ajo. Whatever. Uh... I'm not even going to touch on Eddie Ocek. Nope. Moving past that. We got to see a real fight between Stefan Nason and Eric Halla. And Stefan Nason, the former New Jersey Devil, Stefan Nason, I should say, absolutely demolished former Carolina Hurricane Eric Halla. That was a good time. Ultimately, uh, I mean, there are several things you should take out of this game. Kochekov is not ready to play right now. And I don't think he's not ready to be a starter next year. I think that's a completely different situation. I think that he hasn't played hockey in like a month now. And you can't just expect him to now be ready for prime time against the high-scoring New Jersey Devils. I think Anderson turned back into a pumpkin, because this is exactly how a lot of us thought he would play when he originally went in for Ranta. So if Ranta feels better by Tuesday, 
That's your starter. All the money in the world. As long as he's not still sick with whatever he's dealing with right now, Ranta is starting game four. And deservedly. I don't know what's going on with Brady Shea or Brett Pesci. They were on the ice for the wide majority of those goals. But what, let's not even do this, guys. We burned the tape, remember? We are eight minutes into this show talking about a game that we burned the tape of. Yeah, this happened, okay? I, I said that this would happen, that there would be a blowout game for New Jersey. And again, if there was going to be a blowout, this is how you wanted them to do it. I would also add quickly before we move away from the game and head downstairs that the end of the game, there was like four minutes left maybe, where they just got absolutely jobbed by the officials. And Rod Brindamore is on the bench doing Rod Brindamore things, losing his mind. Uh, and I, I saw a bunch of Jersey fans being like, wow, he's so upset about his team taking stupid penalties. They're so undisciplined. That is not why Rod Brindamore was upset. <laughs> if that's why you think he was upset, I, I got some news for you. No. No, 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 no. No, that 100% was not why he was upset. He was upset at the officiating. That's why he spent five minutes yelling at an official. He wasn't happy with how they were doing their job. You know, okay, I'm going to say this, and we'll head downstairs, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to let this game go. I've watched a lot of hockey in my life. The officials working tonight's game were supposed to be some of the best officials in the world. The commentators for TBNT or TBS tonight were supposed to be some of the best hockey commentators in the world. And I couldn't tell either of those things. Neither set. Neither the officials on the ice or the broadcasters for TNT were up to par. This is playoff hockey, and it sounded and looked like I was watching a peewee game in New Jersey. But we're not going to get stuck on it. Burn the tape, everyone. Burn, burn the tape. How many times am I going to say that before I move on? Either way, let's head downstairs. We're going to hear from head coach Rod Brindamore, Jordan Marnock, our penalty shot scoring aficionado, Stefan Nason, who just knows how to walk Eric Holler like a dog. And then, of course, after every embarrassing loss, and actually, let me remove embarrassing from that. After every loss that is going to create a lot of momentum for Carolina going into Game 4, especially after Ryle lost his mind, because the guys love to see him fighting for them. Expect a lot from them coming out of the gate in Game 4. But after every loss like this, you hear from the captain. So we're going to end it with Jordan Stahl. But without further ado, let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The game went back and forth from the start of the game. Um, it's not what Carolina wanted because we want to dominate. Or I'm sorry, they want to dominate. But it went back and forth up until that forced goal assisted by Hughes scored by Timo Meyer, his first playoff goal on 32 shots so far this year, goes inside, and then New Jersey picks up all this momentum and carries it through the rest of the first period. That's what Rod Brindamore had to say about it. Really, the credit is they, they came and they took it to us, and that's what happened. So we were horrible. I mean, that's probably being 
putting in mile, but because of what they were doing, and they they, uh, they were the better team. Quickly before I pass it to Corey Laviolette, Rod was asked if he thought about pulling Freddie in the first intermission after Freddie allowed a stupidly soft goal to get the Devils up three to nothing, and Rod just plainly said no. I didn't think about it. No, not at all. And then 55 seconds into the period, they score, make it 4 nothing. Kochekov goes in, who has not played enough to be ready for primetime. And that, that, one, that one is the backbreaker here. But without further ado, on to Corey Laviolette of The Athletic and The North State Journal. There was a couple, listen, I didn't like a lot of the things that happened with the calls at the start of the game. Well, I guess, it's, you know, we get a, it's clearly cut, and then, so they missed that, said it was our stick, so that's kind of where you get mad, but the Slavin one, I don't know, that's how you teach it. Especially down five on three, you're not expecting that. He's a puck battle, he just wins it, fires it down. You know, it's a three-goal game at that point. I mean, but we were starting to a little get a little something going. It was a good kill up until that point. Um, the other one I just I don't understand is this. And I, maybe someone can help me on this, but the stick thing where you knock it out of a guy's hand or it doesn't have to break. I don't know. Nobody seems to know because that led to one goal too, where Shades was going back, got his stick taken out of his hands, and then they scored. But, you know, that's not why we lost the game. Can you at least take a little positive out of, you know, penalty killing is all about yeah. kind of art and all that. All the shorthanded goals just get on into three. Yeah, and that's crazy. You know, it's crazy, first of all, you get that and score four. That we usually win, though. Like you, you know, but to give up eight, that just never happens. So, like I say, it's a tough night for us, no doubt about it. Now we transition to the captain, Jordan Stahl, for his initial thoughts on the game. Come with a push, and we weren't ready for it. Clearly, and, um, they didn't do anything crazy special. They just kind of got the puck in on us and played uh, really our style of game. And they did it better than us tonight. I feel like you still had a chance there in the third until those penalties kind of started to pile up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you always feel like you had a chance. Um, you know, you start uh, getting a few in and you get some momentum, but um, obviously, when you give up four quick uh, starts, it's Chasing games in NHL, especially in playoffs, is never uh, never a recipe for success. But don't be a gloomy Gus. Don't think that this loss is going to be a series loss. And we'll talk about it more after we hear from the players. But this is what Jordan Stahl had to say about the series as a whole and going forward. Best part about uh, about playoffs is it's seven games. It's, uh, it's a long, grueling se- series, and um, we know we're we're gonna. Um, come back with a better effort and, um, and uh, find a way to steal a game here. And... Transitioning to the other Jordan on the team, Marnuk agrees with Stahl's overall assessment of what happened early on to the ge- in the game, but he tacked this little bit on about the third period that I think is worth listening to and worth remembering going into game four on Tuesday. And the third there, obviously they get the two quick ones, but then we're... we're... We're not out. We're not out of it. We're still, still pushing, still pushing, and then whatever we get the five on three, it kind of takes us out of it. But um, yeah, just to to a man, just need a little bit more, and um, it's it's just a little bit off, and then uh, it can look like that. So um, just a little more, a uh, little more jam on 
I don't know what day it is on Tuesday, and we'll be back to where we need to be. The next two questions asked Damar Nuck are laughable, and I can't, I don't know the voices. Like, when I hear Chip Alexander or Corey or Walt or Hannah or Mike Maniscalco, like, I know all their voices, obviously, so I can tell you. I don't recognize these voices, but I also don't think this is national, because I, I know most of their voices, too. I think this is a New Jersey beat writer who asks Damar Nuck just a stupid question about his penalty shot goal. I'll play the full question, and then we'll come back, because I have some trash to talk, because I think it was a completely unnecessary question. Am I talking through your penalty shot again, what you saw on the play before the shot? Were you surprised you called, called that a penalty shot instead of a penalty? Not, no, not really. I, I felt like I had a step on him and couldn't, couldn't get a sh- didn't really get a shot off, so um, I, I guess I would have been happy with a penalty shot or a power play at that point, but yeah, just... Uh, I shot on him last night and tried to deke him tonight, and luckily it worked out. What? 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 What is that question? Oh, uh, would, would you rather have been a power player or a penalty? What? Is that supposed to be like a gotcha question? I, I really don't get it. There was no substantive reason to ask that question unless you want it to be a gotcha question. Unless you want to be able to write at the end of your article, Mona can even think it was supposed to be a penalty shot. He thought it would have been a power play. What the fuck ever, right? Like, what was that question? Monarch answers it like a professional. But I would just laugh in the guy's face. Like, what? Nah, yeah, I, I thought it should have been a penalty shot, and then I scored it because I'm a boss. Next question. Like, what? 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 But now we move on to the next question, which I think is laughable, but in a different way, because it's all about the three shorthanded goals Carolina scored tonight. Once again, I'll play the full question answer and then we'll come back Talk up the shorthanded offense to just needing to push regardless of the situation yeah yeah we were we're obviously in the third whatever we're at the point we're down seven or seven two or six two i don't know what it was but um you don't want to you don't take a ton of chances but when you can see a chance to go you go and um even in this in the second when it wasn't seven two or whatever it was we were still getting getting a couple chances and it just goes off good positioning and in our zone and then you can i guess take a chance when you need to tell me you didn't read the game notes without telling me you didn't read the game notes again if i was marnuk i would just laugh about this oh what 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 do you chalk up the shorthanded offense to oh we're really fucking good on penalty kills excuse me i'm swearing a lot here it's been a day do you remember that game anyways we're, they're just really good at scoring shorthanded goals. They did it a ton this year. I, should, I mean, it wasn't like every game, but it was enough that it was noticeable. And four of those goals, shorthanded goals in the regular season, came against the New Jersey Devils. It is a proven pattern that Carolina can score shorthanded on the Devils. What are we talking about? What do you chalk it up to? I chalk it up to their good positioning. Because that's what they do. It's what they did all year, including against this very team. What is that question? Anyways, moving on to Nason. I didn't see it on the TBS broadcast because it was a garbage broadcast. But apparently after Nason got in the fight with Eric Halla, Jarvis goes over to the penalty box and, you know, was like, yo, man, appreciate you uh, stepping up for me. 
What happened was that Sebastian Alho knocks down Ericala to the ice. Ericala pops up and then immediately hits Seth Jarvis, who does not have control of the puck. And then Stefan Nason steps in to have words because you can't just do that. And then Nason would get a roughing penalty and Hollow would get nothing extra because officiating was garbage. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. Anyways, uh, but what I love about it is... When Nason was asked after the game about it, it's kind of like, nah, it's whatever, man. It was just like, it was the fight. Like, the fight was the fight. This is what he had to say about it. How much of your fight was stepping in for the hit on Jarvis, and how much <laughs> of it was, we need something in this game, we need to we need to set some kind of a tone? How, was it 50-50 or all Jarvis, all the hit? Or? Well, what was the score, 7-2? Yeah. Um, that guy kind of speaks for itself and frustration and just kind of is what it was, and um, you know, we'd been kind of going at it all night too, and thought it was a good time. And then, just because we have the time this episode, Stefan Nason was also asked a stupid leading question, which only feels like it could have been to get a gotcha answer. Did you think that they were going after Sebastian Ajo a little bit there tonight? Uh, I mean. Your best player is always going to draw the attention of the other team, right? So um, I don't think it's any different, you know, for us going um, and trying to, you know, finish checks on their guys. And um. He just kind of trails off after this because wh- what is he supposed to say? First of all, if he felt like they were trying to go after Sebastian, he would just come out and say, I think they were trying to go after Sebastian and I don't like it. Or he would have stood up for Sebastian after one of his hits, the same way he stood up for Jarvis. I don't understand what the point of that question is, except to try to set him up to be like, yeah, they're, they're taking cheap shots or something. So you could write that Nason said they're taking cheap shots or that they're targeting Ajo, which is not what's going to happen because he's a professional hockey player. That's not how any of them would answer that question. What is the point of these questions? Whatever. We're moving on. You can tell I'm a bit heated, but also all of those questions were stupid. Every single last one of the three I just pointed out were completely stupid questions that you were never going to get the answer you wanted from because they were all professional hockey league players. But we move on to uh, something I got from Kane Stats brand on Twitter, at Kane Stats. Uh, so this is not the first time a team has scored three shorthanded goals and lost in a Stanley Cup playoff game. In fact, out of the four times it's happened, only one of the teams has gone on to win the game. In the regular season, of course, it's kind of what you expect. The team that has scored three shorthanded goals in one game in the regular season is 57-0-1. That one is a tie from 2000, when we still had ties. Anyone else remember that? How insane is it? Then in the regular season, of course, if you score three shorthanded goals, you're getting at least a point out of that game, right? You're getting at least a point. But in the playoffs, nope, kiss of death. That is your game. You scored three shorthanded goals, you're done here. This was just a wild game, guys. Like, it was... It, I cannot speak to how absolutely insane this game was. All 60 minutes of it were just an insane thing. But the good news is, part of those three goals was Sebastian Ajo's goal that extends his point streak to five games. There's only been three players in franchise history to have three consecutive multi-point games. One of them is Sebastian Ajo 
of 2020, uh, I was about to say 2020, 2020, but of 2020, Bates Battaglia in 2002, and Jordan Marnock forced these New Jersey Devils 2023. Isn't that weird? Again, a terribly weird series, and, uh, yeah, this, we said from the start that this was going to be a six-game series. That's how I started off the show today. This is, that's what I called. That means the Hurricanes are going to lose at least twice. And I said that there was going to be a game where New Jersey just absolutely ramped it up. And maybe I should have expected, no, I shouldn't have expected this. I expected it to be a high-scoring affair on both sides. It being 8-4 is not the surprising part to me. It's everything else that happened in this game that makes it surprising to me. It is the Nason fight. It is the Aho non fight. It is the three shorthanded goals, not to mention one of them was a penalty shot shorthanded goal by Marnuk, who's just not who you expect to score that. And then you have the shorthanded goal going the other way. So there was four shorthanded goals in this game. Four of them. Out of the 12 goals scored this afternoon, a third of them came when the team that scored the goal was down a player. Like, what is that? Oh my god. It's, it's just it's what it is. You burn the tape, right? You burn the tape. I know uh, back in the regular season, I created that whole sound effect of uh, going and burning the tape. Actually, it might have been in the first run against the Islanders. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> but just, just forget this one. Forget this one. Ultimately, this came down to... Uh, Carolina playing poorly. I don't know why specifically. Like, I can't tell you if they, there was enough oats for breakfast this morning or something like that. Maybe they stayed up late last night uh, ironing Mike Meniscalco's handkerchief. Like, we, we don't know. Maybe Trip Tracy kept them all down in the lobby telling a story. We'll never know. Maybe they just underestimated this team, which is a possibility and would have been disastrous. And since this game was disastrous, it's a possibility. But thanks to the poor officiating towards the end of the game, those two five-on-threes, the call against Slavin was just stupid. I think the call against Burns was... I mean, that was stick-on-stick. Yeah, it was a slash, but eh, I mean, really, though? Like, in the playoffs, when they're already up three goals? Like, I don't know. That one seemed weird to me. Uh, a lot of stuff seemed weird to me tonight. I don't know why I keep going back to that. I need to move past that. But Carolina getting those two five-on-threes against them, and then Rod Brindamore absolutely losing his mind. And I know a lot of opposing fans don't love that. Even some of our fans don't love when Rod loses his, his mind because they're afraid he's going to get like ejected or whatever or something. I will say, I've watched like the actual audio segments of when Rod yells at refs, and he almost always ends it with, Thank you for letting me vent. Almost always. I've, I've seen like five of them with pure audio. And I think only one time did he not do that. And it's because the referee skated away before he was done. So, uh, yeah, he's upset. But he just wants to let the officials know in the most respectfully angry way he can that he thinks whatever they just did was bullshit. <laughs> and what that does is it lets the 20 guys sitting in front of him know that he's there fighting for them, that he saw whatever happened that they didn't like too, and he's going to make sure it doesn't happen again. And I guarantee you, why they played poorly, yes, Brendan will win in that locker room, 
after the game and was like, hey, do you guys want to win the fucking series? Because you can. But if you don't want to, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, we can pack it up. You can do whatever this was today three more times, and we can all go play golf at Pinehurst. Or do you want to go back out there on Tuesday and show New Jersey that they are not better than us? We proved it in the regular season. We proved it in Game 1 and Game 2. The matchup games is not a thing here because the lines that Rod Benmore has been running with is so well balanced between offense and defensive responsibility. Switching Jordan Stahl and Jesperi Kakanyemi, just chef's kiss. What a great idea. You pick Kakanyemi, who has a little bit more of a scoring touch than Stahl, which is surprising because really neither of them have it. With Jesper Faust and Jordan Marnock, and it works. It works really, really well. This is the first time that line was left off the score sheet tonight. Actually, that's not true, because Marnock got the shorthanded. Oh my god, I forgot for a second. And then Jordan Stahl with Martin Natchez and Jack Drury just chef's kiss. You got a player who can make plays, but doesn't quite have his confidence right now. You got a rookie who can make plays, but isn't anywhere near having his confidence. With the captain, Jordan Stahl, who can make up for their defensive mistakes. He's right there for him. The forward lines are so well-balanced, it's insane to me. I don't think the matchups matter here. I don't think last change matters here. I think it's about playing the game their way, which they did not do tonight. And they are totally capable of doing on Tuesday. I'm predicting it now. The Canes will come back to Game 5 in Raleigh. Up 3-1 in the series. As always, thank you for listening to Home Ice Advantage. You can follow the show, share it with a friend, rate it if you haven't already. Follow me online at Colin Home Ice on Twitter and at Kane's Home Ice everywhere else, including our website, which is down. Don't go there yet. But it'll be back up by Tuesday. Until Tuesday night. Until the Canes come back to rally 5-1 in the series. Go Canes. <laughs>